Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I felt so lucky to sit down and have a conversation with David Averin. We talked all about customer experience, what that looks like today, the challenges, the headaches. I wish I could put David in a room of every decision maker that's talking about customer experience because I truly believe that he understands the pain points that we have today as consumers and what we would want change to be able to do business with you. Let me tell you a little bit more about David before we get to the podcast episode. One of the most in-demand customer experience speakers and consultants in the world today, David Averin, CSP, who's a certified speaking professional, shares his content-rich, very entertaining, and actionable presentations with enthusiastic audiences across North America and in 24 countries around the world. His business insights have been featured on thousands of media outlets, and he is the author of five books. His newest, The Morning Huddle, powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up, shake you up, and win more business. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Maybe it will wake you up to how you can approach customer experience differently. Enjoy. David Averin, welcome to the Leadership Habit Podcast. I am so happy to have you. You are a tough man to nail down, even just hearing where you are going to be. It's almost like where in the world will David David Averin be speaking to people to help them actually do customer experience better, to make you easier to do business with. That's exactly what we want. But we don't have that in the world that we live in today. And that's why I'm guessing you are fully booked. But I know a little bit more about you. But let's go ahead and introduce you to our audience. David, first and foremost, welcome. And if you could go ahead and just tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I don't know if I'm hard to nail down. I'm hard to sort of figure out where I am and, and make sure I have a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, fortunate <laughs> to be in the office today. But yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate to be traveling all over the world, um, which is better than the alternative. You know, as, as a professional speaker and consultant, I make my living flying on airplanes to live events, which went away for two and a half years. And so I did 87 presentations on a webcam in my basement and I am, I am so done with all of that. So I'm very grateful for the for the work today, but I'm also grateful to be here with you. Um, I'm really fortunate. I, I have spent uh, much of my career helping leaders and organizations stand out in a very competitive marketplace. In the very early years, I did a lot of work in marketing and branding and helping, helping people craft the words, uh, more effective words to really describe what they do and to differentiate themselves from others who also do what they do well. But what was really interesting about after about 15 years of, of working in the marketing and branding space, I, I'd done it on the agency side, and then I did it as a, a speaker and consultant, is I came to recognize, I think as a lot of people have, that the world was changing. Uh, and probably seven or eight years ago, and the, the change was in us as customers, as consumers, as clients or patients or whatever you call those who buy. And what we say about ourselves in business is not unimportant, but it's become less important than what other people say about us, right? So the rise of social media and social proof and Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor and all of the above. And so I saw just a tremendous shift in the marketplace um, 
in terms of the drivers for consumers. What is, what, what's driving the behavior? Why do we buy? Why do we leave? Which led to my book, for those watching the video version of this, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. And we're in six languages now. And, wow. and yes. so I've really shifted my career in a really positive way, uh, along with where the marketplace has shifted in terms of the, the criteria we use to choose who we do business with. And so now I'm really fortunate to travel the country, travel the world, working with organizations to help them future-proof their engagement and become ridiculously easy to do business with. And so that's what I do. I actually speak for a living. Uh, I'm one of those people that, yeah, I, I guess for a lot of people, and I know you speak as well, that you know they talk about the top you know, the top 10 fears and oftentimes public speaking is one of those nights. Like I guarantee you there are certain parts of the world right now where people aren't worried about having to, to stand up and give a speech, right? There, there's real fears in the world. So for us, it's just, uh, I just teach what I know and I'm real fortunate to be able to travel and do that. You have shared so much. I am so excited to dive in and talk about customer experience. I mean, in a world... Is there a world where you can be ridiculously easy to do business with? Because I can even tell you from coming off of even the basic of an Airbnb, I kid you not, we arrived there this weekend and they referenced a binder that was 20 pages deep and that we wanted, they wanted us to read. And I think about Airbnb and the challenges. Can it be easy to do business with anymore, especially when people maybe have higher expectations? Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I, I think we have to. I think it's the only way to really truly differentiate ourselves. You know, when I, I work with organizations and I'll talk to leaders and I've and I've had one on one conversations with almost 8000 company CEOs over the last 16 years. And I would always ask them, what do you think your big competitive advantage is? What do you think your differentiator? And as you might expect, what I hear is some combination of quality, commitment, caring, trust people. Well, I remind them, here's what the research says. Research says that customers are prioritizing speed and flexibility, and simplicity of process, and convenience. In some ways, convenience is better than being better in a world where we expect that everybody's good. So while we think our competitive advantage is our quality, the reality is quality is pervasive. Everybody's good. Because if you weren't good, you'd be, you'd be called out pretty quickly on social media or some of the review sites. So we're kind of in a time right now, and it's very good for consumers, by the way, that we assume that everybody's good. So what's the real differentiation? Um, and it's not who has the most clever marketing campaign. And so when we talk about being ridiculously easy to do business with. You can have a great business proposition. You can have a great product or service. But if you're a pain, if, if it takes longer than people think it should, if you're adding friction, if you're adding frustration to the process, because to do business with you, now we have to download the app and we have to reach into our, our pocket or our, our hand or our, our purse and pull out our credit card and type in those numbers and then register ourselves before we can do a simple transaction. You're frustrating to do business with, right? When we call and try and reach a real person, we find ourselves, you know, I think going agent, representative, real person, I think you said no, no, right? It, it's funny, but it's ridiculous. And so you ask the question, can we be ridiculous? I think we, I think we, not only we can, I think we have to. And that takes taking a step back and looking at your own customer journey. How do people discover you and reach out 
and communicate and order and buy and customize and pay and deliver and follow up. And if every one of those, if any one of those steps is frustrating for your customers, then there's a friction point and you're at risk of losing that prospect or losing that long-term customer because we have options. We've never had more options. We've never had a time where the options weren't so good because today everybody's good. What do you think is driving the ability to kind of baseline that competition where we do have more options as consumers? Is it specifically, you know, going back to the points that you said, speed, flexibility, simplicity, convenience, is it all specifically tech-driven? What do you think is driving that expectation now where the marketplace is full of good? Yeah, well, I think it's a couple of things. I think not only do we have plenty of choices in terms of who to buy from, but now we actually have choices of how do we buy from them? And like before, for so many years, it was, who do we buy from? And then there's a variety of choices. Do we get the red one or the green one? Or do we do the large one? Well, now it's, it's how do you communicate? Can we, can we do it through, through an app? Can we do it? Are we forced to do it through a chat bot? Are we being directed to, to self-checkout? Or do we have an opportunity for self-checkout? For some populations, that's awesome. For others, it's incredibly frustrating. My, my wife loves self-checkout at the grocery store. For me, I'm, I'm horrible at it. I'm just, I am, I'm literally taking the, the scanning gun. I can't get it to work. Unexpected item. And I think, what, what did you expect? I'm like shooting the gun at the employees going, somebody come help me. And so the reality is where we are today is it's the importance of omni-channel. So when we talk about the choices, it's the choice of, of how do we communicate, choice of how do we resolve issues? Uh, what do we buy? How do we buy it? Do we get it delivered? Do we get it expedited? Do we get it same day overnight? And even if we have to pay for it, at least do we have that option? And then here's the other one that, that companies are just starting to recognize, and it's, it's a scary proposition for them, is how do we pay? Most companies have, this is how you pay us. And yet we're hearing more and more, especially the whole new generation coming up. Do you take PayPal? Do you take Zelle? Do you take Square? Do you take um, Venmo? And in our business, because we are ridiculously easy to do business with, the answer is yes, because my God, they're trying to pay me. However you want to pay me, the answer is yes. And so it's, it's, it's a really interesting time when we talk about the choices that we have. It's not the cho- just the choice of who to buy from or what we buy, but the communication cycle, everything. I, as a consumer, it's awesome until it's not. It's awesome until it's frustrating. And if it's frustrating, we say, see ya, because we can. Yeah, I have no problem leaving. I have no problem abandoning a shopping cart online anymore. And you talked about, it's interesting that this is the new one of changing the ways that we pay. Because if I can't pay via Apple Pay, or if I can't pay via, you know, PayPal, whatever is automatically, not that this is right, and from a security perspective, but what is tethered to my phone? If I cannot pay that way, chances are I will not do it because I do not have the time to sit down and enter digits of my credit card. And I don't want to. I want to be able to double tap the side of my phone and just buy it, put my phone down. And I know. The next thing. <laughs> right. But what's interesting is, and we're seeing this around the world as well. I was in London uh, a few months ago and I'm right outside London. I'm at a train station going to a, a speaking uh, speaking gig. And it was really interesting. I took a picture of this. It was a vending machine, kind of a double vending machine that had um, soda and chips um, in the UK, crisps, right? And, and what was interesting was 
is I noticed there was something different about it. I realized there was nowhere to put in money. There was nowhere to put in a credit card. They had a QR code on the side of it. And so what you're supposed to do, and because I teach this, I thought, let's go through it and see. And you have to download the QR or scan the QR code, download the app. Once again, reach in, enter all your financial information. Then you have to sync it with the machine. And then you choose A7 or whatever from your phone. Now, from their perspective, clearly they thought this is awesome. We're going to capture their information, right? So we can market to them. It's going to be really easy. They can just use their phone. What was interesting was both machines were completely full, completely full. Why? (laughs) Because it was a train station and everybody's in a hurry. And so there was just a disconnect between what they thought was going to be a great way to do business and how we do business. We want it simple and easy. And they actually made it more complicated because I understand why they wanted to capture our information, but people are walking by quickly to catch the next train. I'll bet they sold a fraction of what they used to with this newfangled machine. So you had mentioned before about technology. There's some technology. If, if technology, and this is sort of my message for leaders, if your new technology or the ones that you're contemplating are, you're considering adopting those to make life easier for your team, but in turn, it makes it more difficult for your customers take a pause and rethink that. I go, to a, I go to a doctor's office and they hand me this tablet, electronics that I was not trained on, so the receptionist doesn't have to enter your information. I see, let's give it to the guy who's bleeding profusely from his head. Let's make him do the work. It, it, it's mind-boggling for me. And um, which is, that's why I make a living. And my job in a humorous way, because my presentation is a lot of humor, very entertaining, is to point out some of these. I understand companies are not naive. You know, when you go to Walmart and there's one staffed checkout lane with nine carts in a row and 27 self-checkout, that wasn't an accident, right? But when you go up with two full carts and they direct you to self-checkout, I'm like, I don't work here. You know, I, I, and you, of course, you can't say that out loud because it sounds very condescending. And the reality is I acknowledge I'm terrible at it. And they say, no, we're giving you a choice. They're not, they're not, they're not naive. They're making a calculus. We may frustrate some people, but the amount of people that we'll lose is less than the money we'll gain by not having real people. But at some point, the law of diminishing return is going to kick in and we're going to push back. And they're just waiting to see where that line is. So we're in the early stages of this, gents. I, I think it's, it's interesting as somebody who studies this to see how far companies will push reducing options before their customers get so pissed off that they, you know, whether they leave or they get very public about their displeasure. And a lot of that's going to play out in the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see how much we're willing to put up with. It's interesting that you bring that point up because I know I just saw something on social media about you need to start paying me if I'm going to start to do these things, which could come in the form of a discount, could come in the form of whatever fee that you would typically charge and waiving it. But I am starting to see more of that. And I'm not in that land, but it is something that I saw recently of people really getting frustrated. Yeah. And it was a dear headline to all of the retailers that they work with. This has got to stop because it's also taking me more time because yes, we're not great at it. Or if you accidentally put your reusable bag in, then you have to wait 20 minutes to get help from someone. And, and then you're right. like, why did I even do something? Wait, and I'm not naive. I'm not thinking that... I mean, if this course is the trend, and of course, this yeah. is this is the way. It, it just 
I think some organizations have an opportunity to gain a competitive advantage by not doing some of these things, right? You had talked about whether we're going to get a discount. No, it's the opposite. Now there's what they call, and you've seen this for tipflation, which for those outside the United States, it's very unique, uniquely American thing that we're expected to tip for everything. But now even when we go to the counter and we're serving ourselves, we look at the screen and we're supposed to choose one of the tip levels. And oftentimes it starts at 20%. Yes. And then we're made to feel guilty. It's like, what am I tipping for if I'm the one doing all the work? And so it once again, I think it's fascinating, but it's a great conversation for leaders to have within their organizations um, to take a step back and look at their value proposition, look at their customer journey through their customer's eyes. Um, and it's not as if they're not doing it now, but I, I say take another step back, zoom out even a little more. Uh, call your own company as if you don't know what to do. How frustrating is that? How many times when you're on hold are you encouraged to go to the website, go to the app? It's very clear why they want us to, but right. we're the ones just like screaming into the phone that we want to talk to a real person. And I think it's an important conversation to have. Yes, I love that. Hi, everyone. It's Jen. And I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business? or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crestcom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. Well, you talked about, so maybe we could back up for a little bit because I sure. want to get to how can you future-proof your, your customer experience journey, but maybe we baseline it as what's the difference between customer experience and customer service? That's a great question. And a lot of people are sort of conflating the two. Both are really important. And there's certainly an overlap in that Venn diagram. But customer service is something we've been talking about for 50 plus years. Still incredibly important. I think we know how to be nice to people. Uh, I think some companies have gone too far in doing the scripted response. Oh, I'm so sorry, uh, Ms. DeWall. How, how, I know how frustrating that must be. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, Ms. DeWall. Um, I do understand. It's like, stop reading the script. Give me a break. But customer service, I think, I think we certainly have to um, educate our new employees. Here's our culture. Here's what we believe. Here's how we treat people. But the experience is different. The experience is actually judged 
uh, think of the service as what is delivered by the company and the experience is what's judged by the customer. Right. How easy were you to work with? Was that frustrating? Was it intuitive? Um, did I feel like I was being pushed in a direction uh, or was it was it easy to to find someone, to find what I'm looking for? Of course, there's the CX, the customer experience. There's the UX, which is that user experience, right, on our devices. And then the, the uh, and then the uh, employee, the EX, employee experience, and all of those are incredibly important. But on the on the on the customer experience side, you know what's interesting is we all have an experience, but it doesn't necessarily involve a person. Uh, and I think one of the biggest industries that's being affected by this is financial services or banks, right? I've, I've talked to bank leaders, and if you ask them, you hundred percent, you'll get the same answer. Ask them what their competitive advantage is, and they'll all say it's this. Right, it's the relationship. We know our customers by name. We say, okay, let me challenge you. Ninety-five percent of my transactions don't involve a person. I'll go speak for an organization. I'll get a nice check. I'm sitting in the back of the Uber on the way to the airport. I take a picture of the check. It's deposited. I had an experience, but there was no person. I'm not standing in line. Nobody's asking me. So, what are your plans for the weekend? Right, which is what you would have at the counter. My daughter was off at college, and she would text me. When she needed money, and I would just transfer. By the way, her her ringtone is a cash register sound. <laughs> True. So she she was actually home home of the holidays once, and you hear this cha-ching. And she's like, "What was that?" I said, "Apparently, it was you texting me from the couch." She's like, "A cash register, Dad? Really?" I said, "Well, you generally want money, so Sydney, what do you want?" She's like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> right? But here the point is, there's an experience. We're not talking to a person at all. There is no service involved, but there's definitely an experience. And so how long do you have to wait? Um, are we, are we, is it intuitive? Can we find the choices that we want? Can we customize in a way that maybe we were not a, accustomed to? But a lot of this is being driven by other industries. And this is sort of, I think, the, for the first time in business, for, for the leaders who are listening or watching, you're being compared against organizations companies, brands that have nothing to do with what you do. And that's a new dynamic. We always had to be sort of one of the best in our industry. Well, now we're being compared against Uber and Amazon. And is that fair? It, it doesn't matter, right? Okay. They're, they're used to being able to see into the process uh, where I, I had something delivered today and I could see their five, Amazon was five stops away. I get notifications, right? When I order an Uber, I know where the Uber is. I know when they're going to get here. I know what the driver looks like. I know what the car looks like. I know how their ratings, all of those kinds of things where we have insights into the process. Those are things that we're expecting of other companies. We're expecting them to deploy technology for everybody listening to this. Your customers expect you to deploy technology that allows us to do business with you, not from our homes, from anywhere. And at any time, and if you're dragging your feet, you're losing opportunities. That's all part of our experience. So I think it's a super exciting time. I think it's a bit daunting in business. What can we do? What can we afford? But what's the cost of complacency? For consumers, it is awesome. Because anything you can afford, you can have delivered probably same day. I can't, I already made a same day purchase today. And I, you know, from a perspective, what you just shared, maybe it's generational. Maybe it's just the fact of who I'm shopping. 
I agree with all of that. I'm comparing how I bank and the ease of that to how I might shop to, you know, how I might receive my groceries. I am comparing all of those experiences. I never looked at it that way, but yes, that's what I'm doing at a subconscious level. I want it to be easy. I don't want to have to like worry about it. Time is money. And it's not even that it's money. Time is time. I don't want time. time. I like that. I like the way you said it. It's exactly right. And here's the thing. It's not that quality is unimportant. I I keynoted a conference and the CEO went on right before me and he was doing the big rah-rah speech for the organization. At the very end, he says, and remember at the end of the day, it's about quality. We will win on quality. And they're all cheering. And I thought to myself, I could not disagree more. He says, at the end of the day, it's about quality. No, at the beginning of the day, it's about quality. Quality is the entry fee. You better be good at this or the marketplace is going to figure it out. But at the end of the day, it's about competitive advantage. It's not what do you do well? What do you do better than others who do it well? So I advise my clients, don't take your eye off the ball. I mean, the quality is incredibly important, but don't believe for a minute that your quality is, is in the minds of your prospects, your big advantage. They assume everybody's good. Because if you weren't, you, and, and you may be better than others, and sometimes good enough at a better price point actually is a better choice for some. But the opportunity today, and I think if there's one thing to leave everybody with, I think the opportunity is um, provided you have a great product or service. I think the opportunity is how do you communicate? How do you deliver on the promise? How, how easy is it to, to order? Can they do it with one click? Is it easy to complain if they need to complain? That whole process, that experience um, has little to do with the quality of your product itself. It's the quality of the journey. And if you really break that down in some of the consulting work that I do to help organizations, I think that's the opportunity to really differentiate. Um, 20 years ago, I think it was the quality of the product. 10 years ago, it was the quality of the message. And today it's the quality of the experience. Provided you're great, be great. Yeah. I just have one question about the journey. Sure. For those that might be, because going into the customer experience journey, how do you break that down? For someone that might have been, we have led with quality. We haven't thought about the journey. We have really just thought about product quality this entire way. How do you actually start to break that down? Is it that, what is the first piece of marketing they see? What is this word of mouth referral? And how do we treat the onboarding of that? I have no idea what the segments are because that is not yeah. my area of expertise, but how, where do you even start to look at, to look the good at that? News, that seems big. If you're it, it is big. Quality. It is big, but, but I give credit, I give all credit to organizations. They're, they're all pretty good at this. Uh, and they've been asking this question for a while. It, but unfortunately, I think many of them have looked at it historically from their own perspective. How do we create and orchestrate a customer journey that is in some ways predictive? Right. Because if we can create a journey, because there's so much outside of our control, we can control this. Here's how they're going to learn about us and reach out and communicate and buy and customize and all the things I talked about. If we can have a, a, a great, a pretty good idea of their anticipated behavior of that journey, then we can also anticipate profit and cash flow. Right. And then we can we can hire for that. We can plan for that. It works. Here's the problem, though, Jen. The problem is your customers have never read your employee manual. They don't, know how they don't know how they're supposed to do it. They just know how they want to do it and how they want to do it, how they want to go through that journey and buy from you. That's changing. And that's what leaders need to, to, to wake up to. And so to answer your question is taking a step back 
and go through the minutia of that, of that journey. How easy is it to do at each step? Where's the bottleneck? One of the exercises that I do, I say, let's take your top people, let's put them in a room, order Chinese food, close a door and say, let's take that maybe 16 step process if we break it down. And what would, what would it mean to our customers if we could knock a third of that off or allow people to skip? I mean, nobody wants to stand in line at a buffet if you just want to refill your drink. Right. Right. When you call and they say, please listen closely as our menu options have changed. And you know you're going to listen to nine things that have nothing to do with you. And what you really want to do is just hit zero, or but they want to try and triage it. So instead of organizations trying to push you through their journey, is um, go through the journey and find out how flexible you are, not just how fast it goes. Are people given choices? Are we? Are we? Uh, are they talking? Are they feel like they're talking to a brick wall when they want something a little bit different? We're in an age where we have to become ridiculously accommodating. We have to say yes more often, not to things that are that are unprofitable, but just open our eyes. I don't know. Maybe we can do that, right? So it it's. Um, I think most. I think companies to go back to what I was saying. I think they're pretty good at this, but it's it's that enhancement, it's that tweaking, it's the expediting, it's the give them an off ramp to what they really want, so they don't have to go through every step if it doesn't apply to them. And uh, it's an important process, and there are people who are really good at this, but I don't think companies are clueless. I, I think they're, they're a little bit worried because customers are more demanding than ever. They're more impatient than ever. They're more uh, retaliatory than ever. And it just means we have to stay on our toes. That's, I mean, you're, you're summing up the article that came out this year, The Age of Outrage from yeah. Harvard Business Review. I, I think of that because I'm like, is that me? Oh gosh, that is me. And I, I, I try to be super mindful to a lot of people that are doing the customer service of the customer experience because I know that they sometimes are handcuffed in their choices, but sure. I am that customer. I've also just made, I lost money just because I didn't want to do business with someone. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. I will eat this cost and I just never want to have to deal with you anymore. Yeah, and, and you, are, is, you are the rule rather than the exception today. Others feel the same. So that just requires organizations to be really introspective, to be really strategic, to be really diligent in looking for those points of frustration, enhancing those moments that matter. David, I love that. And I just am so grateful that we had you. You gave so much insight into how they can look at that. Even just thinking of a recap, like speed, flexibility, simplicity, convenience. It's future-proofing your business. It's being ridiculously easy to do business with. Yes, please. Can I personally somehow get you in front of every CEO? Because I am sick and I am sick of wasting time. David, actually, no. How do I get you in front of an organization? How can our guests or audience get in touch with you? Sure, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and all, I'm, I'm of course present and active on, on all the social media platforms. But just look me up at David Avrin, A V R I N, DavidAvrin.com, and then online it's the same thing. Or it's the real David Avrin on Instagram. That's a whole other catfish for another day. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere online. And uh, and as you can tell, I love this. You know, my assistant's really funny when she's booking me for speaking engagements and they'll say, how much for, you know, a breakout or how much extra? She goes, no, you don't understand. He loves this. You're just paying him for him to leave his family. But once he's there, he's not. So I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm an evangelist for all of this. And uh, I think it's a super exciting time. I'm, I'm very optimistic about the opportunities. Um, and But my job is to, to provide some clarity as to, 
here's what all these changes have meant. Here's, here's where you can move forward with new initiatives with, with a greater level of confidence. And so, yeah, look me up, davidaverin.com, and I respond to my own emails. So, I love that. Uh, wow, ridiculously easy to do business with. That's what I'm saying. I know, right? <laughs> David, thank you so much for coming on The Leadership Habit. It was a great conversation. I know you are going to help people think differently and do differently. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and experience with us today. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Leadership Habit Podcast with David Averin. I loved that conversation, his energy, his enthusiasm, his humor, all around customer experience. And at the end of the day, I learned a lot and I hope you did too. I also hope that whoever is in a customer experience role, that maybe you learn something that can truly shift the way that you do business. Jumping and switching gears, thinking about how you do business, it actually starts with how you develop your leaders. We at Crestcom International, we are committed to leadership development and we would love the opportunity to come into your organization to give your leaders the tools that they need to thrive today in a changing marketplace that is rampant with disruption and uncertainty. They need the tools to navigate it. Head on over to Crestcom.com. There you can find out more about us. You can also request a complimentary leadership skills workshop where we can come in and help you and your team work better together. David talks about the customer experience. We're all about the employee experience. And that starts with leadership development. Head on over to Crestcom.com to find out more today. And in closing, if you know someone that might be in a customer experience role or is struggling to think, how can I make this better? Share this episode with them. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.